There can be no doubt, looking at the crowds attending the National Gallery of Art on Sundays, that there is well considerable interest here in Ireland in the art of painting. However, going to a museum is one thing, but it's quite another to go to a commercial art gallery to view, let alone buy, the work of a living Irish artist. We stopped some people at random in the street to know whether they would ever consider visiting a commercial art gallery or perhaps even buying the work of a living Irish painter or sculptor. Um, I'm not very interested in the art. I don't know an awful lot about it, I suppose. Well, I have been to um, art galleries, all right, but I wouldn't buy one. I don't often do it. I've never done it, actually. I've never bought a painting at an exhibition or a sculpture at an exhibition in my life. If I had the money, I probably would, yeah. I really don't know. I have no feelings one way or another about it. That's, that's it. I just don't know. Most of what I, modern art today to me is a complete waste of time. And that, that's truthfully. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it just doesn't mean anything to me, you know. I have neither time nor interest at the moment, anyway. So, that's it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't think that I'd be able to buy some of it, but I, I'd like to go to see it, all right. There's no Because I'm not in the money like that way, it's like, you know. But if I saw, you know, uh, if there was, you know, a picture there now, the amateur thing like that, if I knew it, I mean, within uh, my uh, financial limits, like I'd uh, buy one now, but if, I couldn't pay a hundred pound or two for, uh, you know, that kind of thing, and not up in that way, it's like, you know what I mean? But I really and truly admire art of any kind. It means uh, painting, like, either by amateurs or professionals. As a matter of fact, I love to see them things. I love to, I wouldn't mind paying admission to go in to see them or thing like that. Especially if they're by really famous painters or anything like that. Yes, so long as I can understand what I see. Squiggles and daubs and uh, abstract things don't turn me on at all. Yes, I'd love to go to one. How, do you know where there's a one on at the moment? We have an hour or two to kill today. Bore me. Hmm? I wouldn't go to one. Why not? I think it's boring. I don't like paintings. No interest in them. <laughs> what shows is going to be on? Mm-hmm. Well, that general lack of interest, lack of awareness, perhaps lack of understanding about commercial galleries and about Irish artists leaves people like sculptor John Behan as outsiders in society. You know, an artist is bound to be isolated and not through his own uh, conscious efforts to be isolated. Some artists are very private people. They won't give interviews with the press. They they don't want to see anyone. And, of course, these are usually artists who are very successful. But, um, I mean, you ask the average person in Dublin let alone Ireland, where the Municipal Gallery of Modern Art is in Dublin, then they won't know. Taxi drivers don't know. I've often had to get a taxi to to an opening or something when I'd be late. And uh, you'd ask the man, uh, drive me to the Municipal Gallery, say, where's that? I mean, this is the general average Dublin citizen. Well, how then can the artist live? How much does he earn? I would imagine about the income of a lower-class labourer, I should imagine. I would imagine I don't make as much painting as... uh, as I could have if, in fact, I was a tradesman. In fact, I think I make much less than, than a tradesman would. Painter John Kelly there, and he is one of our more prominent and established artists. If we want to talk about the income of a painter or a sculptor, we must talk about how he earns it, the gallery system, patrons, or the shortage of them, also the state and its long-recognised role in supporting the place of the artist in society. Artists with or without art school background usually make their first public appearance in a group show in which they can show their paintings or sculptures along with the work of other artists. 
The group may have a political, a social, a cultural or some other objective. The new artist submits his work to the group's selection committee and if accepted, he may be lucky to be singled out for critical notice after the show opens or indeed to have the owner of a commercial gallery come along and like his work. The fact that he has been allowed to exhibit in the first place may encourage him to keep painting and sculpting. He may be invited to get enough work together to have a one-man show in a commercial gallery. Or he may indeed have to go foot-slogging from gallery to gallery with his file of work, seeking a gallery which will give him his first one-man show. And I'd like to introduce to you uh, John Behan. John, whom, as you all know, uh, is Ireland's leading sculptor. And I'd, I'd like to say that John always has found time to encourage and to help younger painters, which is something I'm afraid which isn't very evident. Wally Cole of the Emmett Gallery at the opening of a new show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to launch straight away into a, a speech which I've prepared because uh, I feel um, I had to do it for this particular exhibition this evening. Most of you have never heard uh, probably of Simon O'Donnell because he's very new to the scene, but um, he has exhibited on a number of occasions, but in group shows where one is inclined to get lost as an artist. Um, I'm very privileged to open this exhibition. Uh, this evening, indeed, you are privileged to view an exhibition which is quite... Well-known people like John Behan there are very often asked to open exhibitions. And on opening night, people come along who've been invited from the gallery's list of patrons. It's a very sociable occasion, and circular stickers, red, signifying sales, may begin to appear on some of the works. Most galleries usually arrange interest-free hire purchase terms to suit patrons. Nevertheless, if the public at large don't enter commercial galleries, who exactly are the patrons? At opening night in the Emmett Gallery recently, I asked Dr Derek Waldron Lynch why he first began to buy paintings. Well, it's hard to say what I look for in a painting, but why I buy paintings is that one wants something interesting to hang on the wall. It uh, adds to your home something. It's original, it gives you ideas, and it gives people that come into your house ideas. Would you spend very much on paintings? No, I wouldn't, but I, I would buy a couple a year, yes. And presumably, uh, as your doctor, you have enough money to afford these things with ease. Oh, well, I wouldn't say with ease, but shall we say there's some things worth, more worth having than others. And I would think having original art is certainly something worth having. And that patron spends a couple of hundred pounds a year on paintings. Most buyers I've spoken to first came to buy paintings and sculpture by complete chance, not because they were brought up to believe it was a normal and natural thing to do to buy paintings and sculpture, just as it is to perhaps buy books, go to a theatre or attend a concert. Engineer Paddy Cloonan is one of those who bought following a chance introduction to an artist. An artist named Seamus O'Colman, whom I got to know in a very friendly way. And by drinking mainly with him, I got to know his work and his problems. His main problem is money. And I discovered through him how paintings are sold or how his work is shown to the public. And it's through this I became aware of the gallery systems that exist in Dublin today. Gordon Lambert is a well-known Irish patron with a major international collection. He also began by buying from his friends. 
Well, I w was friendly with, with Barbara Warren and, and Cecil King, and uh, she had an exhibition at the Dublin Painters Gallery many years ago, and I bought one of her paintings for £12, uh, Ponto Carousel, and that, that was what first interested me in, in uh, starting a collection. You must be aware that uh, people like yourself, in a somewhat embittered fashion, are pointed at by others who say art in Dublin, art, in, uh, art painting and sculpture is for people who are well off, who can afford to buy decorative objects for their homes. And this is the role of the painter and sculptor to cater for people like you. Well, I mean, that, that, that's all a matter of opinion, but I started in a very small, modest way. I was only a young accountant at the time I bought my first painting. And uh, throughout my career, I have bought within my income. I certainly haven't had the, uh, the freedom or the capital to go out with a blank cheque and uh, indulge myself, never. Clearly, if painting and sculpture is to have a thriving relevance, the basis of patronage must be broadened and the emergence of patrons cannot be left to chance or good luck. The circle of patrons is often so small that artists know their patrons by name. John Kelly. In a lot of cases I do, uh, because I think with me anyway, and maybe it's the same for, for a lot of other artists, uh, uh, the same people uh, do tend to go on buying. I mean, some of them might have as many as six or seven. They do tend to keep buying, or, or their friends uh, buy. And I, you know, where they go to, I don't really know. Uh, I had uh, the last exhibition I had, I think something like four doctors bought paintings. Jerry Davis said it maybe they had a good look at me and decided they hadn't got long to go. <laughs> Painter Michael Kane keenly feels the need to broaden his patronage. I'm conscious of the fact that there are certain faithful people who seem to understand what I'm doing, who are anxious to, to see the new work, who buy fairly often, and who are deeply interested in the, in the kind of thing I do. And these are very valuable people. There are others who might buy one because they liked it and find that the next one came out seem to contradict what went before. Um, there's only a kind of peripheral concern about the audience when I'm actually working. But in general, I am conscious of, of an audience, a potential audience. And I'm, I'm very, very conscious indeed of the ordinary audience, or let's say non-audience, because I might never see my work at all, but the ordinary people who just pass up and down outside the window here. And I wonder what relevance I have to them, or what relevance I might have to somebody who's living in Ballyfermot, who might never have been inside a gallery in his life. In order to reach these people, artists like Michael Caine must depend on the gallery system. Does he think that the public, and particularly the lower income group, are at all at ease with the commercial galleries? Oh, no, no, not at all. The, the, the public really has uh, no connection with the straight commercial dealer. You know, the straight commercial dealer is simply a man of money. He's not concerned about either artists or public. He's simply concerned about making money. Uh, I don't think he's even concerned about standards of professionalism. In fact, it's, uh, this kind of dealer, for this kind of dealer, it's more important that an artist be a semi-amateur, that he have a nice regular job as a commercial artist or an architect or an art teacher or something like that, and produce his nice decorative little paintings in his spare time bring them into the, to the dealer's gallery, have them sold. It's nice pocket money for him. He pays the dealer something like 50% commission. He pays for the framing. The whole operation is playing right into the hands of the dealer. The dealer has at least two dozen people like this on his lists. So it's not important if one exhibition fails. He's got a hell of a lot more coming up during the year. He's making money out of everybody. And uh, 
the, the artist, whether he is this semi-amateur type or a thorough full-time professional, is making very little. Sometimes not making anything, he's simply making a loss. So on that level of dealing, there, there is really no concern for art values at all. Now, but I'm, I'm not every dealer, I'm not suggesting that every single dealer is like that. But I would say the majority of them are. It's often said of gallery owners that in order to make money, they will impose taste and restrictions on their artists. In short, they tell them what to paint. David Hendricks is the owner of one of Dublin's oldest galleries. Does he ever engage in this practice? Not in my case, no. It has never happened yet. But you think it happens? Oh, it could happen. I've heard of cases, but I certainly have never dealt with any artist in that way. You never made veiled suggestions to an artist about, well, perhaps this is not as nice no, as no. the kind of thing you <laughs> used to do. No, what I might do is sometimes an artist paints in a very, very large scale. And I say to them, if it was a bit more modest in size, it might be easier to sell. But that's the furthest I would go. In the past five years or so, the number of commercial galleries for modern art paintings and sculptures has mushroomed in Dublin from two to twenty. Outside Dublin, there are over seven commercial galleries, and as well the country can boast a number of galleries run by artists to sell their own work. But there are also galleries dealing with antique paintings. Artists often say that these are making fantastic profits on the work of dead painters or sculptors. This, they say, takes money from the pockets of living artists. Sean Collins of the Godolphin Gallery deals in antique as well as in new paintings but he sees a continuity, not a division, between the old and the new. Often people will buy, um, have in the beginning uh, uh, a liking for old paintings and eventually, if you like, progress on to contemporary and more uh, modern pictures. Or sometimes it's the other way around. It's very difficult. Sometimes they, they, ha- they buy modern pictures to begin with and then they develop a taste for older pictures. Is there any difference in income between the people who take an interest in old paintings compared to an interest in modern paintings? Yes, there is. I mean, usually people who, who buy um, antique paintings are u- usually wealthier than people who collect uh, modern pictures because uh, you can collect modern pictures in and around small sums of money, I suppose, 20 to 100 to 200 pounds and uh, d- build them up from there and develop them and so on and so forth. Where with, with uh, antique paintings, I suppose, any kind of a decent antique painting these days, one needs to pay about, well, 400, 500 pounds anyway for starters. With the big names and the big money, the antique paintings often get the investment market. Wally Cole of the Emmett Gallery regrets the elitist image which the commercial gallery has for the man in the street. The, the, this is a sad side of the gallery story, really, and uh, I, th- I, th- I think the barriers are breaking down a little bit more now. I found it here when getting all types of people coming in, looking looking at exhibitions and visiting fairly frequently the exhibitions. But I, I think a lot more work needs to be done here. Uh, it breaks my heart sometimes to see people paying 20 and 30 pounds for some diabolical print in some place, some shop rather around town, when you know in your heart they can buy an original etchy or even a small watercolour for 25 or 30 pounds in a gallery by an Irish artist. Did you ever consider that it might be an idea for gallery owners to come together and advertise jointly and advertise that they do show paintings by living people which offer a sale at modest rates and, and at perhaps terms which people can afford? 
I, I don't know how that, that would be worked out, actually. It possibly could be a good idea if, if more people could be contacted, if the general public could be contacted more widely than they are at present. One way of contacting the general public is to display cheaper works. The Project Art Centre was established about 10 years ago in Dublin because the commercial galleries then in existence did not allow the work of new painters or non-established painters into their galleries. They preferred to give wall space to well-established money earners. Michael Bolfin is former chairman of the Project Art Centre. We have always selected, and I hope we always will, basic, purely on the, on the basis of um, artistic merit. And we have never considered the sales potential of any artist when we've exhibited them. And this has caused, I mean, many a calamity as regards financial difficulties over exhibitions. And in, particularly in the early days when our grants from any source were very limited, we found that uh, some of the exhibitions which we backed and put on were a total uh, failure financially while being a critical success. And even though this was the situation, we continued to pursue it, and I think we've been proved right in our policy, and I think we will continue to, to follow this policy. David Hendricks would have been one of the gallery owners accused of not allowing new painters into his gallery. Would he agree that it's a fair accusation? Yes, but what a lot of people don't realise is that the gallery will be open nearly 21 years, and a lot of the artists who are now established here started off as newcomers many years ago and have built up a reputation, and of course their prices have gone up, and they're now treated as established, but at the time, say 10 years ago, they were not. I have a certain standard, and I live by that. I believe that um, I can't give an artist an exhibition whose um, quality is not what I feel is up to standard. But if it is, I certainly would make way and a space for them to exhibit, give an exhibition, and start off. Um, is the role of an established gallery a very happy one? Um, is it a very no? It has good great no, it's, you know, it's great difficulties because if you're trying to maintain a standard all the time, you can't allow you can't allow an inferior show to creep in in the middle of it. You must try and find good work all the time. Is your object uh, to run a gallery which makes money? My primary object is because I I love my work and I just like paintings and sculpture and ceramics and so on. But obviously, particularly in my particular building, I've got to sell. Otherwise, we can't open the door. The sound of John Behan, the sculptor, working with hammer and anvil in his Dublin art foundry. He thinks that a sculptor has got to be a bit of a builder. He's got to know his material. He's got to know his costings in detail. We have in this foundry a very careful system of costing a job. We have a sheet and all the hours are written down, all the materials to be used, uh, the amount of time it takes to bake the thing in the kiln, the amount of uh, bronze and also the rising costs which are going up so rapidly in the last five or six years. The more established an artist, the greater his price. Painter Michael Kane fixes prices roughly on the basis of time and materials. The ordinary run of paintings, the ordinary run of good paintings, are underpriced. Uh, and when, when, some, when one mentions a figure, say, like £350 for an average size painting, someone will say, that's too dear. 
Although, mind you, the same person would think nothing of, sp- of spending twice that much on a, on a coloured television or ten times as much on a motor car. But, uh, in fact, if you, if you consider the amount of time put into producing that and the cost of materials, you'll find that that is very cheap. In fact, you, you'll very often find that the artist is not getting very much back off it at all. And if he's got to pay a share to, to a gallery owner as well, he's at a loss. I've heard estimates from commercial galleries for the cost of mounting exhibitions, which range from between £350 to £1,000 minimum. This includes lighting, rent, postage, drink and so on. To recoup this, the galleries charge 33.3%, some take 50% commission. The Emmet Gallery in Dublin is one of the few who don't charge commission on works their artists manage to sell outside the gallery. There's no agreed code of ethics. On top of commission, VAT and the cost of framing are usually deducted by the galleries, so the artist may lose 60 to 70% of the price of his work. David Hendricks argues that the commercial gallery provides a good service for its commission. We attempt to give as much service to each individual artist as is possible during the entire year. We um, advertise, we talk, their work is always on the premises, and at a moment's notice can be produced to a potential customer. It's very difficult for the artist to do that from his own studio because it would mean all the buyers would have to regularly go and see what he had been doing, and it would also prevent the artist from getting on with his work. If he has to keep attending to his public from his studio, I think it would be very off-putting. Certain artists will not meet the public. They just prefer to give it to the gallery and say, you exhibit and show my, and sell my work. It's, it's, it's just a service which they appreciate Certainly the artists who um, deal in this gallery realise that our overheads are enormous and 33 and 3rd% commission is really very, the very minimum that one could charge. Commercial galleries may be necessary under the existing scheme of things. How can they adapt to become less expensive-looking, less off-putting to the general public to satisfy Michael Caine's desire for a wider patronage? Well... I suppose they would have to be dealing in a different kind of product or they would have to um, put on different sorts of exhibitions and they'd, they would have to advertise, advertise themselves in different ways. They would first of all have to s- stop dealing or not deal so much in the very expensive area of taste for a start. Uh, they, w- they would have to try to put on exhibitions which were accessible to a wider public and uh, were um, not too hard on the pocket they would therefore have to change their whole strategy. And instead of having uh, exhibitions of, of um, pop or rock or whatever the latest fashion is at 2000 ago, uh, they ought to try to put on exhibitions of, of graphics, which will sell fairly cheaply. They should try to go into such things as the poster. Uh, they should uh, try generally to generate an interest in various forms of popular art. Graphics can, of course, be bought fairly cheaply, say from £10 upwards. Colm O'Brien is director of Ancoila Allian, the Arts Council. He maintains that the cost of buying is not the most important reason for the public's lack of interest. But I think, of course, the fundamental lack uh, is still can be found in the educational system. And uh, only recently has the National Council for Educational Awards issued its, its guidelines for, for art and design courses. This is where it all starts, where you, you, you train 
uh, not only future professionals in the field, that is painters, uh, sculptors, designers, um, but you also train the teachers uh, who will go into first level and second level schools and from there bring to a wider sector of the population um, their introduction to the visual arts. Uh, this introduction doesn't exist in many places, in many schools, in many communities throughout Ireland. Um, and uh, where it does exist, in, in too many cases, it is of questionable quality. Uh, so uh, the fundamental work still remains to be done, and I think the developments over the last 10 years have been uh, in spite of uh, systems rather than because of systems. I think the, the status of the arts in, in all our schools and at every level is the lowest of the low. I think the situation could hardly be worse. And that's not only in the visual art area, but also in music uh, and in drama. Literature, because of it's more academic in its pursuit, is more established within the school curriculum. But the others are, are not only ignored, but downgraded. And teachers are discouraged from pursuing them because they are not... Uh, examination subjects or curriculum subjects or point awarding subjects when it comes to university entry. Uh, but as I say, I think you start at third level. You start in all matters to, to... The situation is so bad here that we've got to start at third level. Make proper provision for the teachers, that we train good teachers. Then the good teachers move into first-level schools and their pupils move into second-level schools. And that's the process. And unfortunately, it can't be done in a couple of years. I would say it would take just over a decade. But there are signs now that we're moving towards uh, the kind of plan that can bring this about. In earlier times in Europe, especially when painter, sculptor and architect may have been one and the same person, there was a more public role for the artist. The return of this role may be heralded by the growing demand, given voice here by Michael Caine and John Behan, for the introduction of more public art in Ireland. Oh, certainly there should be more public art. Um, and, I mean, it's not difficult to have... Uh, everybody assumes that there ought to be public sculpture, and everybody has opinions as to the quality of the latest piece of public statuary. But the painter is not considered in this uh, area at all. Now, um, in discussions of this sort for years, we have bandied about this idea which is operative in Holland and the Scandinavian countries and elsewhere, whereby the state uh, pays something like 1% or 2% of building costs towards artistic decoration and embellishment of various sorts. This would be an ideal uh, solution to, uh, to the problem of, of public art. But then all art is not public. There, are, there, are, there, there is studio work as well. There is portable art. There is art that uh, ought to be available to people of, of middling income. And I think graphics ought to be made available to people who don't have a very large income at all. I think that there's no question about it. Uh, sculpture is a public art on, on a large scale. But there's very few, uh, very few sculptors get the opportunity in this country and, uh, and have ever had the opportunity here. Most of our sculptors in the 19th century, for instance, and in the 18th century, had to emigrate to London or to Paris or somewhere else because we just couldn't support the type of um, monumental art that sculptor aspires to. In Glasgow, artists are commissioned to paint walls, a practice already begun by the townspeople of Northern Ireland, in New York, artists are paid to work in and decorate old warehouses in certain parts of the city. 
In London, hoardings around building sites are painted by artists. An artist has been to work with playful embellishments to a children's playground in Stevens Green, Dublin. Senator Rory Quinn is an architect and a member of the Cultural Committee of Dublin City Council. He sees undeveloped opportunities for employing painters and sculptors in Irish towns and cities. Well, I think it's an open field, frankly, at the moment. We have no real tradition of the local authority insisting that works of public art or publicly accessible art are included in their housing schemes or their development schemes generally. Largely because the housing drive before was seen as one of slum clearance and was an emergency programme. We've had an emergency housing programme, if you like, for the last 50 years. We're beginning to realise, particularly in our new suburban estates, that just putting up houses on their own doesn't, in fact, uh, solve problems. It creates a whole lot of new problems. I'm not saying that pictures at the ends of walls are going to remove those, but uh, recognising of the need to create the potential for real communities to develop uh, is now growing among many people, particularly politicians. And there is, I believe, a willingness to spend money in what could broadly be described as community development. My own personal view is that provision for the arts, particularly the visual arts, is an integral part of such development. Some of the Scottish cities have instituted the position of a town artist I think we badly need this kind of, of provision in Dublin. Uh, for example, if we were to award bursaries or scholarships for one or two years to a number of artists and gave them a budget and said, right, um, come back to us with proposals such as painting different sorts of buildings, if we could acquire the leases and some of the buildings which um, abound the city, which are semi-vacant, we would provide facilities. With a view to possible legislative recommendations, the Irish Arts Council is studying schemes in other countries which ensure that a proportion of the costs of new buildings is spent on fine art decoration. Does Rory Quinn think there will be much opposition to such a scheme here? Well, I, I don't think there would be as much opposition as would appear because certainly a number of developers have tried to do this um, and their work can be seen around the town. I think if it was made a necessary regulation and if there was some form of incentive for example some form of partial rates relief um, if they were giving something over and above to the city in the form of a bit of extra civic space with a piece of sculpture in it I don't believe that you can legislate with a big stick um, I think if there's some degree of encouragement at the local level um, people who build things whether they're developers or indeed builders themselves um, have some sense of, of achievement and I think if they are encouraged in this, they will res respond far more readily than if it is instituted as another law. They'll either try and get around it or you get into the legal definition of what constitutes art and, and that opens up a, a hornet's nest, frankly, which I wouldn't like to do. I would sooner see us trying to encourage in it and at the same time, perhaps in the tradition of the Tyneball Cooley, saying if you don't do it voluntarily, uh, there'll be a provision to have it done eventually. The very nature of public art means that more of it would increase the general awareness of painting and sculpture, thereby increasing the demand for these arts. In John Behan's experience, the general public, if exposed to painting and sculpture, will not be hostile to the idea of buying. When you say the general public, you probably mean people in uh, the working class areas in particular. But it's surprising like that uh, people there are just as conscious of art as they are and even more so in certain sectors of the scampi belt. Uh, you know, for instance, down here around the foundry, uh, there's a number of local people who come in and bought small pieces from me. 
and they're definitely working class people, no question about it. Although the Arts Council believes in the long-term approach of remedying the defects in visual education at all levels of schooling, some benefit is bound to come from its present policy of bringing touring exhibitions to towns and cities throughout Ireland. That is, if one can judge from the experience of Maria Simmons Gooding, who was favourably received by the people of Dunquin, County Kerry, when she established herself as a painter, living and working there four years ago. I think that they're very interested in what I do, and um, at Easter time every year there's an exhibition in the school in Dunquin, and so that everybody has a chance uh, to just go in, and they take great interest, and all the people in the parish all go and have a look and I've never seen such interest as in this exhibition which is now in its fourth year and uh, then through the years you meet the people in the village and so on they talk about the drawings or the etchings or the paintings that they saw and that it was oh, yes, it was on the Blasket Island or on Inishikilorn and they remember it and they take enormous interest and they've always from the very first day that I went there they've always been really genuinely interested in the work and what I've been doing and take it as quite an ordinary fact of life, you know. 180 painters and 43 sculptors have been given a tax-free privilege under the 1969 Finance Act. It's said that most of these artists don't earn enough to really benefit from the tax-free scheme. Michael Caine wants the state to go much further in supporting the artist. Well, I, I don't think that uh, he is uh, that much different from other members of the society. After of society, after all, um, farmers are, are a very privileged class. They pay very little income tax. In fact, it's only in recent years they paid any at all. All the produce is bought, whether there is a market for it or not, to a much larger extent than art is bought by public bodies. Uh, nobody seems to see any anomaly in this at all. Uh, I don't see that the artist should be considered a lesser man than the farmer. But, I mean, if it, if it were to come to, to my own opinion as to the value of the artist in community, I think that he is a, the, the very central and most important figure in any community. And I see no reason why the same scheme should not operate here as operates in Holland, whereby every artist in the country gets a minimum salary of 4000 a year. And I see um, no reason why people should object to this. The artist can in return for this can uh, supply the state with works. A certain percentage of his work can be handed in to the custody of the Arts Council or any other body, can be distributed around uh, to public places and can be made available to people in private homes. Museums and public art galleries with free admission have always been regarded as instruments in spreading the enjoyment of painting and sculpture to lower income groups. Michael Caine has considered ways in which the artist could repay society for its support. Uh, one method would be the enlargement of public collections and galleries. Uh, if each artist in the country were on a salary, and if he were supplying a certain percentage of his output to public collections, uh, a vast expansion of public collections and, and galleries would have to take place, and small galleries perhaps could be built in outlying suburbs which would become the property of the local community. Travelling exhibitions could be arranged much more widely than they are now. But in general, the uh, man who is unemployed, who is on a small income, will not have the luxury of paintings in his home. I think that ought to be, that could be organised as well. I think it, it might be possible for a central depot to hold work, uh, and they, these, these works could be shown to people in their, in their own communities, in their own locale, um, and hard purchase or other 
terms could be arranged for people to, to acquire them. They, they mightn't necessarily have to be very expensive works to begin with. The Arts Council last year initiated a small bursary scheme to provide income or to finance projects or facilities for selected Irish artists. This scheme, of course, hits quite a few, quite a small number of people. John Behan believes that most Irish artists don't live in conditions comparable to those which obtain in other countries of the developed world. I think the majority of Irish artists live in very bad conditions. There's hardly an artist in the country, for instance, who has a proper studio, as, as one would expect a professional artist to have. I mean, in London, you can go around Chelsea in various areas of North London, I've seen them, and there are proper artist studios, you know. that. In other words, at some stage, society there decided, this happens in Norway and Sweden, Denmark, all over the place, Northern Europe, but those societies decided artists were important, and somebody took the trouble to build them houses, as they'd build houses for any uh, sort of aspect of their society, uh, the house people who would be um, an important asset, an important aspect of their spiritual and uh, even their material um, well-being as a nation. And uh, as an example of how they cared for art as being an important aspect of living. Uh, how about the sort of income which artists uh, live on? And how about uh, ordinary things like social welfare, pensions and so on? Well, the artist doesn't figure in that scheme at all. I mean, uh, you know... Most artists that I know of are either teachers or they work uh, in some ancillary industry. In, some, in fact, some of them don't work anywhere near their art. You know, they might work in an office or they might work in a, in a factory. And, of course, this is very debilitating. And yet, we in Ireland have not even produced a plan to utilise Anna McCarrick, the County Monaghan House, which was bequeathed to the nation, 71, as a place of retreat to facilitate artists in doing creative work. The Arts Council has asked the Economic and Social Research Institute to prepare a research brief for a study of the living conditions of Irish artists. We feel there's a great deal of speculation about how bad off or how well off uh, visual artists, musicians, writers, composers are, that we have no hard information on it. And that, generally speaking, because the arts are considered to be glamorous or semi-glamorous, most people think uh, that they make a fortune. For instance, if you have a book published in, Ar in Ireland, everybody thinks your neighbours, your friends, think you're, you're raking it in. And yet most authors would be doing well to make £300 out of a book. So I don't think that the economics of the arts are understood, A, by the ordinary community, and two, by, by the government. And I think this is reflected in the low level of financial uh, assistance which the Arts Council gets in which to do its work. If there was a fuller understanding of the real financial situation of the individual artist, not of, 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 of systems and organisations, but how the, the individual uh, copes with life within the structures we as a community operate for the arts, then I think we will be able to, be, to approach the problems uh, with rational solutions. But most people think that the, the arts and artists and their re related problems are approached in an, a, in, in an atmosphere of emotionalism and, and snobbery and that there's very little truth in some of the allegations that are made and that anyway, people looking for money will make any argument they think is useful. We feel that this study will throw up the real facts 
or hopefully will throw up, real hard information about the living condition of artists, painters and sculptors and others. And on this we can, we can begin to make a case for better treatment. How then does it feel to be an artist in Irish society which is uninterested in him or at least unaware of him? How do people, for example, respond to John Behan? What do they expect? What does anyone say to John Kelly on discovering he's a painter? Well, he just asks you, will you paint his back door next week or something, exactly. or give him a price for the outside of his house. And you tell him that you paint pictures. Mm-hmm. They're usually fascinated, frankly. They usually are. They're usually fascinated if you say you're, you're, a, you're an artist or a painter and they discover you paint pictures. But uh, then you have to beat them up because they all have children who are terribly talented and never had an hour's thrown <laughs> lessons in his life but can do Mutton Jeff as quick as lightning, you know. Well, quite frankly, I couldn't care less what they expect. They probably do expect. They think artists are involved uh, when they're not in the pub or having an orgy in the studio or showing somebody their etchings. Uh, they probably think he dashes off on a fit of frenzied genius, enough work to uh, give him an income for the next year. I do think that the, art, the artist is regarded as a dosser. I mean, you take some councillors making statements about it's more important to spend money on housing and things like that. And these people are totally unaware of what a society is about. They should go back and look at their Larkin and their Connollys and read the statements of those men who are uh, basically the foundation of uh, political consciousness for working people in this country. They, they regarded it as important uh, as a loaf of bread and table or a good meal. It was as important to have a picture or a book or a piece of music when a gramophone came along. Well, if Connolly, Larkin and these artists have their way, the patronage of painting and sculpting will be broadened beyond the social and income groups in which Michael Caine places a diminishing majority of today's patrons. Usually it, again, has been confined to a a rather self-appointed middle-class element which feels that it has a sort of exclusive right to be interested in the arts. Um rather like that tradition of first-night theatre going. It's all together terribly self-conscious and terribly in and terribly elitist. And uh, to mention words like socialism or the, the ordinary man on the street evokes laughter and snickers. So that up to very recently, the same kind of audience uh, would attend openings of exhi- exhibitions. Now, not only the same sort of audience, but actually the same audience. You would actually meet the same people in the same places all the time. And those people, suburban ladies and doctors' wives and people of that order who would attend a first night in the gate on one evening would attend an opening of an art exhibition in the afternoon the following day. They used to always be in the afternoon then. It's got a lot more practical in recent years. Nearly all the openings take place at night, which seems to indicate that there has been at least some change, a less leisured class is assumed to be attending openings of exhibitions nowadays. Well, it seems things are changing. There are many ideas in the air for improving the situation for painting and sculpting. For example, it suggested that money spent on buying the work of living artists should be allowed against income tax. This concession, I believe, is available elsewhere, including the USA. Some people feel that artists should themselves organise to create a greater impact, not necessarily by hanging paintings from railings in the street, perhaps by forming an artist's trade union as they exist elsewhere, particularly in Eastern Europe. Wherever the pressure comes from, it's much needed to improve Irish understanding of visual communication and the visual environment. However, the increase in the number of commercial galleries in the past few years gives hope that 
the lot of the living painter and sculptor in Ireland can only improve.